0: Welcome to Lesson 3 of our new members class, Our Inheritance Through the Gospel. Um, if you look in your outline and follow along, you'll see in the previous lesson we learned that all sinners are deserving of God's holy and justified wrath. However, God himself saves certain people from sin and wrath by providing a substitute, God the Son, Jesus This is the gospel, the good news of what God has done to save us from our sins. The motivation behind the gospel was God's grace alone. There's nothing in man that merits this salvation in any way. We looked at that in the passage in Ephesians chapter 2 from last time, that we were once objects of wrath, but now we have become objects of mercy all by his grace. The gospel applied to our life brings wonderful benefits and that's why I'm so excited about this um, this session because we're going to look at justification, reconciliation, adoption, new life, glorification, the power of the Holy Spirit, and uh, marvel at what God's done. And um, we're we're encouraged in the Psalms to forget not all of His benefits. And uh, we're going to really be looking at the benefits. Um, the inheritance that we receive through the gospel. So let's look at justification. We touched on this a little bit in session two, but justification is such an important doctrine. It's really, as Martin Luther said, it's the test of a standing or falling church, and uh, we really need to make sure we understand the doctrine of justification Clearly, J.I. Packer says the doctrine of justification determines the whole character of Christianity as a religion of grace and faith. And so if you don't understand the doctrine of justification uh, by grace alone, through faith in Christ alone, really what you end up having and it is a real um, you know, doctrine that ends up leading you to really lack assurance of salvation. And really you end up having really no gospel at all because you, rely on your own works and your own performance and and it really can make a mess of your Christian life. So it's very important to understand the, the doctrine of justification clearly. John Stott said, nobody has understood Christianity who does not understand this word. It's the word justified. Uh, Job asked the critical question, how can a mortal be righteous before God? And we are clearly portrayed in Scripture as being sinners with no righteousness of our own, recommend us to God. And at the same time, God is clearly portrayed as being just and holy, bound to punish the guilty. And so um, we've seen that there's none righteous, Romans 3.10 said. No, not even one. So our typical answer by nature to the question, how can we become righteous before God, is some form of law-keeping or good works. That's where we tend to go by nature. But God's answer... And this is the good news of the gospel, is justification. It's righteousness credited on the basis of the substitutionary death of Christ. It's righteousness credited on the basis also of the perfect life that Jesus lived when he fulfilled all righteousness by uh, his sinless perfection and his absolute complete obedience to the law during his earthly life. Jesus never sinned, and he was also perfectly righteous. And it's that perfect righteousness that God chooses to credit to us when we believe in his Son. And this is awesome. Romans three twenty one through 24 says, But now a righteousness from God, apart from law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So we see in that verse that there's a righteousness from God apart from law that's been made known. And this is a righteousness that comes through faith. Um, It comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. And everyone who believes, verse 24 says, they're justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. It's beautiful. You know, it's important to know that you know you and I will never be able to make up for all of our sins that we've committed in the past and just how sinful we are by nature. We'll never be able to make up for that by being good enough now. Um, By trying to clean up our act now, there's no way we could clean up our life sufficient to be able to stand before the judgment seat of the Lord on our own merit. Um, But the good news is, is we don't have to. We believe in Jesus, and his perfect performance is credited to us through faith, and that's what we want to look at in this next section, justification defined. Before we can understand the idea of justification, we need to understand righteousness. Righteousness is the character or quality of being right or just. Righteousness takes two forms in the Scriptures. Number one, ethical righteousness, whereby we are righteous because of the things we actually do, and judicial righteousness, whereby we are righteous because we are declared to be so. And Romans 1.17 tells us that in the Gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. Um, Righteousness from God means here a righteousness that comes from God and that satisfies God. Another way to say it would be it's a righteousness that is acceptable to God, one that he approves. And we've already seen, however, that man does not and in fact cannot have ethical righteousness just on his own. Therefore, the righteousness spoken of here must be the judicial righteousness, the righteousness that is declared over a sinner who was saved by grace. Uh, Romans 4 verse 5 says, However, to the man who does not work but trusts God, who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. And that parallels the beautiful passage of Scripture in Genesis 15, 6, where it says that Abraham believed God. Abram believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. This is a truth all the way through, from the very beginning of Scripture to the end, that the only way that we can be righteous before God is through faith in the promised one, Jesus Christ. Uh, Justification means that God declares guilty sinners righteous. It's amazing. Let's never grow over familiar with this. Means that God declares guilty sinners righteous through identification with Jesus. And it is a gift from God. It's, it's not something we achieve or earn. And it's, this is beautiful. It's a, a once and for all permanent event in our life and not a process that takes years to complete or a status that we lose and then regain. No, justification is a, is a beautiful and precious gift. And, and when you believe in Christ, you're justified. And you're justified um, with the same righteousness that will basically be the grounds upon which you stand on judgment day. You're ready for the judgment right now if you're a Christian because of justification. Even though we still have many sins in our life that we struggle with even right now with our indwelling sin as the Bible calls it, we are justified and nothing can take away our justification by grace, through faith in Christ alone. Thank you, Lord. And thirdly, it's it's a change in our standing or position before God, and not in our actual righteousness. You would have seen this in throughout church history during the Protestant Reformation, uh, where Roman Catholicism believed that the righteousness was a was an infused righteousness, and and that the teaching there was that we were actually Infused with righteousness, and we became ethically righteous. And the challenge with that is, is that um, you know you look into your life now and you see the indwelling sin that exists, and realize that if you're supposedly infused with righteousness or ethical righteousness, why am I still sinning so much? Well, the reason is because that that doctrine is not true. We weren't infused with a righteousness; we were imputed with the righteousness of God. In other words, it was imputed, it was credited to us. And that judicial righteousness of God was declared over us. It's Christ's righteousness, not our own, that we're credited fully with. And so God looks down and he sees that we are perfectly righteous by grace, not because of our own performance of that righteousness, but because of Christ's perfect performance of that righteousness that's been given to us as a gift. And it's a real important truth for all of us to really take down deep into our souls. Let's look at justification applied. Uh, the Son of God, John Calvin said, though spotlessly pure, took upon himself the ignominy and shame of our sin, and in return he clothed us with his purity. God applies the work of Jesus on our behalf in both a negative and a positive way. In the negative, he forgives our sins by charging them to Jesus instead. And in the positive, he credits us with righteousness by uniting us with Christ and declaring us righteous in him. This is what is called the blessed exchange. And what this doctrine speaks of, and you see it in 2 Corinthians 5.21, where see, it's the word of God says, he who had no sin became sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That Jesus, even though he didn't have any sin, he was perfectly innocent, he took upon himself our sinfulness. All of our sin was imputed and credited to him, and then God treated him on the cross the way we deserve to be treated, which is with judgment and wrath. Jesus took that on the cross. And God the Father also says, I'm going to choose to credit my son's perfect righteousness to unworthy Ungodly sinners who believe in Him. It, it's a beautiful, beautiful truth. And it just seems so amazing that God would be like this and God would do this and how awesome He is. Let's look firstly at the forgiveness of sin. For, to forgive means to grant relief from payment, to completely cancel a debt, to cease to feel resentment or wrath against an offender. And since Jesus paid the penalty for our sins on the cross, We are now no longer liable to pay the penalty ourselves. Our sins can be forgiven. In justification, God brings eternal judgment into the present. He declares that in Christ we are completely forgiven of all our sins, past, present, and future. Yet all of our sins are forgiven. Look at point A there, that God's forgiveness is complete in quality. So our sins are forgiven totally. This is really important. It says in Isaiah 118 that though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. So they're forgiven totally. They're turned as white as snow. They're completely forgiven. And though they're as red as crimson, they shall be like wool. And then the second aspect of forgiveness is that it's complete in quantity. This is such great news. All our sins are forgiven. Our biggest sins, our smallest sins, The sins we remember and even the sins we don't remember are forgiven in the life of a Christian who has believed in Jesus. And the passage there, Colossians 2.13 says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. So He has forgiven you if you're a Christian, not partly, but fully And He's forgiven not just some of your sins. He's forgiven all of them. And so that is such good news. Really drink that down deep. Jerry Bridges says, Because of Christ's death in our place, God's justice is now completely satisfied. God can now, without violating His justice or His moral law, forgive us freely, completely, and absolutely. Let's look at the righteousness of Christ. Romans 4.3 says, What does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Credited is an accounting term. So when God justifies us, he not only wipes out all the debt we owe from our sin, but he also credits to our account the righteousness that Jesus deserved for his perfect sinless life. And as a result, we are accepted before God in the same degree and manner as Jesus himself and according to the same privileges. So I'm going to repeat that because it's so important. As a result, we are accepted before God in the same degree and manner as Jesus himself and accorded the same privileges. Oh Lord, thank you so much for doing that. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30 says, It's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Turning the page of the outline, you'll see that Sinclair Ferguson writes, in relation both to sin and to God, the determining factor of my existence is no longer my past. It's Christ's past. And we are accepted, we are received with favor because of what Christ has done. The righteousness we receive is not... (laughs) just a better one than we had before. It is the perfect righteousness of Jesus. This righteousness, like our forgiveness, is permanent and complete. We will never be more or less righteous than we are the moment we are justified because Jesus will never be more or less righteous (laughs) than he already is. Our deeds don't add to his perfect righteousness in any way, and our sins don't detract from it in any way. Our justification is by grace alone. That is, without regard to any merit of our own, but based solely on the merit of Jesus. That's right. Salvation is totally outside of us. It's totally outside of you. You know, as a Christian, if you're truly saved, you know, there's times in your Christian life where you might even be tempted to say, you know, I, I don't feel saved just because of the effects of this fallen world and sin and, you know, that still we have as even as Christians, when we look in our lives, we get so discouraged by how far we need to go. But you know what the good news is? Is even if we don't feel saved, the good news is, is when you've believed in Christ, you are saved. You are justified. And nothing can take that away from you. And that is a glorious, glorious thing. Jerry Bridges says, you are loved and accepted by God through the merit of Jesus and you are blessed by God through the merit of Jesus. Nothing you ever do will cause him to love you any more or less. He loves you strictly by his grace given to you through Jesus. I love that. Let's look at this second benefit called reconciliation and, and understand what that means. Reconciliation means to exchange antagonism for friendship. To bring to. Bring together those who have fallen out to restore friendship, harmony, or communion. Our sin separated us from God, and we were unable to have any kind of relationship with Him. And now that we have been justified, however, that that barrier that separated us has been removed. We are free to fellowship with God and enjoy all the pleasures that that relationship includes. And Romans 5.1 talks about that. Since we've been justified through faith, we have peace now. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, Colossians one twenty one says, we were once alienated from God. We were enemies in our minds because of our evil behavior. And it's true, we were. We were enemies of the Lord um, by nature. And we needed to be reconciled to Him um, because we were hostile against Him in our sinfulness. And um, it's important to understand that, that our relationship with God had to be reconciled. It had to be brought back um, because it, it was broken. And you see the picture of this really in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned and they immediately hid themselves from God. Um, and God asks and pursues Adam in the Garden and He says, where are you? And that question really just shows that our sins have alienated us from God and we've become hostile toward Him and reconciliation removes that hostility and and brings us into sweet, sweet relationship with the Lord. You know, so it, it's really important to know that we've been brought back, we've been reconciled to God through Jesus' work on the cross. That's really what the atonement is all about. We are really brought back into right relationship with God because our sins had broken that bond and that fellowship with God that Adam and Eve enjoyed in the garden. And uh, thank You, Lord, so much for reconciling us to Yourself. Let's look at this third benefit Adoption. This here talks about the, just the relational love and how deep it is between us and God now. We, before, we were enemies and now we've been not only reconciled, but this is what's so awesome about the gospel. It talks about that God has actually adopted us into His very own family. So as, as one Christian has said, we've been brought from the courtroom into the family room. So we have been, uh, you know, we have been declared righteous. We've received the judicial righteousness of God as a free gift. We've been declared not guilty. But, you know, when we're declared not guilty by a judge, you know, you expect to just kind of leave the courtroom and just be, be done with it. And you got a not guilty sentence and you go on with your life. But what's amazing is, is that that the judge is our father, and he, he has declared us righteous, and he also takes us right from the courtroom into the family room. I love this. The magnitude of God's gracious love towards us is seen in the fact that not only does God forgive our sins and allow us access to his presence, but that he treats us as his very own children. I wonder how often you think about that, that you are God's child, you are God's son, you're God's daughter if you have believed in Jesus. Uh, John 1.12, it's just a marvelous verse. Yet to all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. And um, you look in Galatians 4, it says, When the time had come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons, Because you were sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. J.I. Packer says adoption is the highest privilege that the gospel offers. Closeness, affection, and generosity are at the heart of this relationship. To be right with God the judge is a great thing, but to be loved and cared for by God the Father, is greater. And he ends it with an exclamation point that gets so true. It's so much greater to know that we have been adopted into his very own family. We're his children, and he loves us. And that love will never be taken away from us. Well, let's look at this new, this next point. We receive new life. In justification, God declares us righteous, but this declaration does nothing really to actually change us. So if we were only forgiven and declared righteous, we would still be really powerless uh, against sin and the devil. However, God has indeed given us new life with Christ so that by his continued grace we can overcome sin and, and the devil in our lives. In justification, sin's penalties removed. In union with Christ, sin's power is broken. And we will discuss this life-changing power more fully when we look at our continuing relationship with God in the next upcoming lessons. But um, for now, in relation to new life, 2 Corinthians 5.17 was uh such it's such a beautiful verse of Scripture. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and that phrase in Christ is talking about our union with Christ through faith. When you believe When you believe in Christ, you are united to Christ through faith. And you are no longer who you once were. It says you're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And you've received a new nature. When you became a Christian, you changed. The old you was gone. The new you has come. And what a beautiful, beautiful reality that when you're it actually talks about in Scripture that you're born again. It's, it's still you, and you, know, you still struggle with indwelling sin as a Christian, so your old nature isn't completely removed until we go to heaven. So we still struggle with remaining sin or indwelling sin, but we have received a new nature. We have been made alive together with Christ. We have, we have this beautiful truth that we are new creations. The old is gone. The New has come. the Holy Spirit actually dwells within us as Christians, and so we have hope because we um, are no longer powerless in our fight against sin. Now, because of being saved, we have the power to resist sin, resist the devil and and live for Christ, and glorify him. Now we're never perfect in our our obedience as Christians. Um, but we're no longer just slaves and powerless to overcome sin. We actually have the Holy Spirit within us waging war against our flesh, Galatians 5 says, and, and really empowering us to obey and to turn away from sin and to become more and more like Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit does within our life. He conforms us more into the image of Christ and makes us more and more ethically righteous as a process throughout our Christian lives. Now, that doesn't happen all at once. All of our lives as Christians, we grow more and more in likeness. But the good news is, is that there's power with the new life we've received in believing in Christ and in being saved, that there's power within us now to be different, to, to change. And that is glorious news. Look at point five, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit plays a variety of roles in the Christian's life. He indwells us at regeneration. Um, and, and at regeneration, we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, we are born again. We are made new. We're made alive. Um, we really have been resurrected from spiritual death, This spiritual life. It's the greatest miracle that the Holy Spirit ever does. And that's awakening us from spiritual death, bringing us into spiritual life in Christ. So He indwells us at regeneration, and He also sanctifies us throughout our Christian lives. We become more and more pure, more and more holy, more and more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit teaches us. The Holy Spirit empowers us for ministry. You know, we're called to live for God now. We're called to live for Christ. Our old life is gone. The new life has come, and our lives are meant to be committed now to making a difference for eternal purposes on this earth and to live not just for the here and now, for this world, but to live for God, to live for the advance of the gospel, and the Holy Spirit empowers us and gives us gifts so that we can do that. We're called to live the Christian life in the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you're born again, you're you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, you're continually then called, as Ephesians 5 says, um, once you become a Christian, we're called, though we're baptized in the Holy Spirit at regeneration, we're called to be filled with the Holy Spirit again and again and again. And what that really implies is, you know, as we as we draw near to the Lord on a daily basis, and uh, stay close to Christ and abide and remain close with Jesus in our personal relationship with Him, we will be filled with the Holy Spirit. We can pray, "Fill me today, Holy Spirit." He will fill us, and we don't want to be just operating on fumes. We want to be really overflowing with. The, the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives and and be used of the Lord to, to bear much fruit for him. Uh, Jesus will give the gift of the Holy Spirit to all who ask. Uh, the Spirit's coming is powerful and abundant. And it's true, there's no greater miracle when the Spirit rege- regenerates us and causes us to be born again to a living hope. There's no greater miracle that ever takes place in our lives than when we're born again and saved. Um, and God's manifest power and presence affects the entirety of the believer's life and ministry. And uh, the Spirit-filled life is not an optional extra for the Christian. We're called to really be operating, really just overflowing with the Holy Spirit. And what that means is we're just daily dependent on the Holy Spirit um, to fill us again and again and again. You Just life in this fallen world um, and the battles that we fight, it, it drains us. It takes, it takes it out of us. And often we've, we find, you know, when we go to church and fellowship with other Christians, we are very mindful of God. But then often throughout the weeks, we find that we, we often can, you know, not have God often on our mind. And being filled with the Holy Spirit and praying for, to be filled with the Holy Spirit more and more and more I think it just means you're, you're God, you're aware of God, you know, more and more in your Christian life, 24-7, 365, and you, you think about God, you pray to God, you, you love God, you worship God, and not just in sort of a compartmentalized way. You serve God all the time, and not just at like, just specific points of the week, but your, your whole life is consumed with Really living for the Lord and that's what the power of the Holy Spirit uh, does within our life. You know one of the illustrations in relation to this that can be helpful is that you know when you're born again and the Holy Spirit regenerates your heart and your cause to be born again,' um, it's, it's like on a gas stove when there's no pilot light there, that's when we're unsaved. When we're saved, it's like the Holy Spirit just sparks and and the pilot light comes on on our gas stove. And for the true Christian, that pilot light never goes out. It just stays on forever. But one of the things we're called to be is filled with the Holy Spirit. We're actually called to to turn on the gas, to turn on the, the power burner, if you will. My gas stove has a power burner. Um, they just, you know, the, the, the blue flame really ignites and like, the pilot light's always on, but when you turn the gas up on high, you can hear it, you know, click, like click, 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 and then, woof, the, the fire comes on. And it, it cooks, it boils water, it does so many wonderful things. It creates heat, it creates light. Um, and that's the way our Christian lives are called to be. We're called to, to be born again and that great miracle of the pilot light being lit takes place but we're also called not to just simply operate um just on pilot light we're called to operate on power burner in the christian life to where we're, we're really on fire for the lord we're filled with the holy spirit we're bearing fruit for his name and um it's important to really treasure the work of the holy spirit in our lives you know it's it's often the case that Christians are Trinitarian in belief, but binitarian in practice. Um, you know, we're very, we're very mindful of Father. We're very mindful of the Son. But often what can be lacking is just being mindful of um, praying to, worshiping, seeking the Holy Spirit and worshiping Him as the third person of the Trinity, Let's look at this final point here, um, glorification. And before I do, you know, there's more related to the Holy Spirit. There's a gifts of the Spirit addendum at the end of this outline you can look through. Um, in relation to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we believe that, you know, all of the gifts are for today, for God's church. All the gifts that you see in the book of Acts and in 1 Corinthians and Romans, that none of the gifts have ceased, that we believe that Scripture never uh, declares that the gifts of the Spirit have ceased in any way, and they're still in operation um, today, and that they're wonderful blessings from God to empower us to serve and to edify the body and to um, to really glorify His name. And so if you have any questions about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you can talk about that with us, and you can also... Uh, Talk to us about it at your new member's interview. We're happy to help you come into more of a full understanding, biblically, of the spiritual gifts. Um, glorification is the last section. To be glorified means that we will one day be completely freed from all the effects of sin, including death, and will enjoy eternity in the presence of God. Our present justification assures our future, future glorification. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That hope of the glory of God is just the hope that we have of heaven, of seeing Jesus face to face, of being with the Lord forever in heaven. We have that now because we have been declared righteous and we've been reconciled, we've been adopted into his very family and and nothing can take our salvation away from us. Nothing, Nothing can take our relationship with God away from us. Romans 8 verse 30 says, Those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Um, just that beautiful, beautiful uh, description of salvation. And, and just when God saves and begins the work in the life of a Christian, it says in the book of Philippians, that in Philippians chapter 1, that he that began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God began the work and he will carry it on to completion. And that's such good news for all of us. Um, look at Romans 8, 38 and 39. I, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing will be able to ever separate us from his love. Look at a quote by uh, Anthony Hokema. Justification has eschatological or end times implications. Um, It means that the verdict which God will pronounce over us on the day of judgment has been brought into the present. We therefore do not need to fear the judgment day. We who believe in Christ have already crossed over from death to life. Oh, uh, I'm so thankful for this, aren't you, brothers and sisters? Are you so thankful for what God's done for us in Christ and our inheritance through the gospel? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this lesson, and thank you for the way you've just changed our lives. I pray that the benefits of our salvation reflected here in this lesson would just fill us with fresh hope as we look at our Christian lives now, those of us who are Christians. Lord, if there's anybody here who's not a Christian, anybody listening to this that's not a Christian, I pray that you would open up their eyes to repent of their sin and believe in Christ so that they might enjoy these beautiful, beautiful benefits of our inheritance through the gospel. And God, I just thank you so much for raising your son up from the dead and raising us from spiritual death to spiritual life when you caused us to be born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. We love you and we're so grateful for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.